This is Dr. Marnie Peterson. I'm the Outreach Coordinator for the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project, which was launched recently by the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. A component of this project are podcasts with global experts in the field of antimicrobial stewardship and antibiotic resistance. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Gail Hansen about her important work to improve antibiotic use in veterinary practices and reduce the spread of antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Dr. Hansen is a consultant on public health policy, antibiotic resistance and stewardship, infectious diseases, and animal welfare. She received her veterinary degree from the University of Minnesota and her Master's of Public Health Epidemiology from the University of Washington. Before starting her private consulting business, Dr. Hansen was in veterinary practice for 12 years and epidemiologist at the Seattle King County Health Department and was the state health veterinarian and state epidemiologist at the Kansas Department of Health and Environment. She has also worked as a congressional fellow and legislative staffer for Senator Bernie Sanders and worked as a public health veterinarian for the Pew Charitable Trust. She has taught public health and infectious disease epidemiology at both Kansas State University and the University of Kansas. Dr. Hansen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. You have spent much of your career focused on understanding the connections between antibiotics used in the agricultural setting and their impact on human health. I'd like for you to describe for us today some of the key issues related to those connections. Well, I think the first thing to keep in mind is that we're really running out of effective antibiotics. Uh, the CDC has said that simply using antibiotics creates resistance and that these drugs, the antibiotics, should only be used to treat infections. And in agricultural settings uh, and food production, they're used for much more than treating infections. They're used to um, prevent disease, even if there's no disease in the herd. They're certainly used to control disease. And they're also used at this point for growth promotion. So small amounts are given to animals for growth promotion. And that every time we use antibiotics, we can create resistance, and we're using a lot of antibiotics in food animals. Can you speak to overall um, the total amount of antibiotics used for production of, of food animals? Yeah, it's it's um, quite a bit more than is used for humans. And as I said, in, in humans, it's used for treating disease for the most part. But if you look at the total amount of antibiotics that are the same same types of antibiotics used in people that are used in food animals, we're using over 20 million pounds of antibiotics uh, per year in food animals. Uh, that's about three times as much as we use in uh, treating people in the United States every year. And that number of, of antibiotics that we're using for food animals has been going up steadily since we started really looking at those numbers. We really didn't start looking at those numbers until 2009. So from 2009 to, to 2014, 2015, when we had the latest numbers, the uh, the total amount of antibiotics we've used for food animals has gone up nearly 20%. The number of animals that we're using them on has not gone up that by that same amount. So that's a real, a real concern, that we're really using these antibiotics in, in ways that we probably should not be using them. So with the concern around antibiotic resistance, especially to antibiotics that are medically important to people, there was a, an effort 
to start to look at how to appropriately use and the prudent use of these antimicrobials in the use of animals for, for food production. And so in 2017, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, guidance on the use of antibiotics in livestock production is going to become effective. I'd just like to talk a little bit about what, what that guidance is and as it pertains to antibiotics that are medically important to people and why, why we need more regulation for the use of these medicated feed products. Right. And as I said, in food production, right now we use antibiotics for treating animals, for controlling disease, to prevent disease, and for growth promotion. And the guidances that FDA has put out that will take effect starting in January of next year, January of 2017, FDA has said sort of two major things. One is that there should be more veterinary oversight of the antibiotics they use in food animals that go into their animals' feed and go into their water. Right now, most of those antibiotics are available over the counter. There's no veterinary prescription needed. FDA says that's going to change, that those will either become what's called a veterinary feed directive, which is sort of like a prescription for antibiotics going into feed, um, or prescriptions for the antibiotics that go into water. So that's the first thing, that, the, that there will be veterinary oversight of those antibiotics uh, much more like what we have in human medicine where you can't go to the store and buy antibiotics. You have to have a prescription to get one. And then the other thing that FDA has said in their guidance is, is that using antibiotics for growth promotion will not be allowed anymore. That that's not considered a judicious use. That should not be, continue to be used. And uh, FDA has, has asked the drug companies to take that uh, indication, that growth promotion indication off of the labels. So if it's off the label, if you, the label no longer says you can use that antibiotic for growth promotion, legally farmers and ranchers will not be able to use it for growth promotion. So those are the two two big things that are part of these this guidances or these guidances that, that FDA has put out. Um, they're considered, they're called guidances, but once the labels have changed, the label pretty much is the law. So if, if there's no um, indication if there's nothing on the label that says that you can use it for a specific purpose, you can't. At least legally, you can't. Um, and veterinarians will have much more to say about how the antibiotics are being used in food animals. So those are two big changes. Now those uh, the different animal production sectors and and food animals is not one giant thing. That's how chickens are raised, how turkeys are raised, how eggs are produced, how, how milk is produced, how um, how pork is, uh, pigs are raised for pork, are all very different. Um, all of those industries have said that they're, um, they're looking at, at ways to, to figure out how to, to follow these new guidances. They've all said that they're using pure antibiotics, but the sales of antibiotics, um, like I said, from 2009 to 2014, really don't don't support that. We would expect that starting in 2017, we would see a lot fewer antibiotics being sold for livestock. So the antibiotics that, have, um, if you look at the overall total amount of antibiotics used, and 
used for growth promotion versus used for a therapeutic indication such as some sort of infection. Historically, have the bulk of the antibiotics that have been used predominantly been within the for food food I mean growth promotion. I wish I could give you a good answer to that, but the only available information we have is the total amount of antibiotics that are being sold for for food animals. I can't tell you how much of that that 20 million, almost 21 million pounds of antibiotics sold for food animals is going for for treatment, how much is going for growth promotion. I can't tell you how much of that is going to to chickens versus how much of that is going to dairy cattle versus how much is going to to beef cattle or swine. Those numbers aren't available, so I I wish I could give you a better breakdown. FDA has asked um, starting this year that the companies that sell um, these antibiotics give an estimate of, of how much is given for each type of animal. But we don't have we don't have that data right now, and we have no data on and no information on how much of it's being used for growth promotion versus how much is being used for treatment. Treatment generally for for food animals, you know, which is chickens, turkeys, uh, sheep, uh, cattle, pigs, um, tends to either go into the water or be be given as an injection. Uh, it can be put into the food as well for treatment, but generally speaking, it's not. When we look, the, some of the things that we do know is that the amount of, of antibiotics that are given to food animals right now, over 95% of that, almost 98% of that, is given in the food or given in the water. So if you try to figure out, sort of triangulate how much of that is, is for growth promotion, only versus how much of that is for treatment versus how much is for prevention and control, which is sort of a gray, very gray area. I suspect that a fair amount of it that's going into uh, the feed is for growth promotion. We will have a hard time being able to tease that out, but I think just looking at total amount of antibiotics and how much antibiotics are in feed are sold for feed use versus water versus injections will will give us some idea. We won't have that information for a couple of years, but um, I have every reason to believe that these guidances will be followed and that veterinarians will be taking a much more active role in the antibiotics that are used in food, food animals and livestock. Yeah, that leads me to my next question is the overall impact this is going to have, this new guidance and, re and removing these antibiotics as from the feed as growth promoters as well as then putting them under under a veterinary feed directive where they'll require, the antibiotics will require a veterinary prescription. So I see that it could impact both the agricultural sector as well as veterinarian practices. I wonder if you can speak a little as you've been a part of a part of this uh, initiative, you know, what some of their concerns are, will there be, how it just in general how it's going to impact them. Yeah, and it's it is sort of a, the great experiment that we can look to what's happened in Europe um, when they did a similar kind of thing. So certainly the Netherlands is is a, a country that's uh, done things similar had done things similarly to the United States. And in 2006, the European Union said that antibiotics for growth promotion would no longer be allowed. 
and some countries took that to heart and some countries um, had their own spin on that. Uh, in the Netherlands, they looked at the, all they had similar to us at that time was total sales of, of antibiotics and they looked at the total sales rising after the 2006 ban on using antibiotics for, for growth. Um, and they took a better look at that and, and talked to the veterinarians, talked to the food producers. They found that the veterinarians were um, using, an, excuse me, using antibiotics for um, what they call prevention, but using it in exactly the same way that they've been using them for growth promotion. So they were just calling it something different. Now, the bacteria don't care what you call it. They're going to continue to do what they do, so that, which is to, to survive and, and survive by becoming resistant. So the Dutch government uh, told the producers, told the veterinarians, basically, you've got to stop using that much antibiotics. You've got to decrease the amount of antibiotics you're, you're using. We don't care how you do it. Just do it. And they did. Um, so, and what they've seen since then is they've seen a decrease in antibiotic resistance and uh, disease-causing organisms, certainly on meat and in the uh, in in the animals that are being treated. So, using antibiotics less often for in anim- animals certainly is going to make a difference. But I think whether the whether or not the limited use of antibiotics in food animals will, will solve the problem of antibiotic resistance. I don't think anybody believes that that's going to be the total solution. But I don't think that's the, the real question. The question is really whether the existing evidence suggests it's an, an appropriate and a reasonable part of the solution of, of dealing with antibiotic resistance. And I, and I believe that there's enough information that it, uh, that the evidence suggests that there is an appropriate and a reasonable part of the solution that uh, not using antibiotics for growth promotion at very low levels will help mitigate the problem of of antibiotic resistance. We know that giving small doses of antibiotics to to food animals does cause antibiotic resistance to occur. We also know that antibiotics that are given to animals in their feed or water much of that, somewhere anywhere between 40 and 70% of that, depending on the antibiotic, goes through the animal unchanged. So then it, then it gets into the environment because uh, the animal waste gets either, whether it gets put into a lagoon or um, is spread in the fields or the animals are in the field, both the antibiotic-resistant bacteria that are in the animal's waste and the antibiotics themselves end up in their environment and then we basically are changing the entire ecosystem, the entire you know, microbiome of the world, if you will. Do you feel the veterinarians then, will they be um, in part uh, anti- antimicrobial stewards and as well as will they also have a role in monitoring perhaps with the state health departments the total anti- antibiotic resistance patterns may be occurring in, in the um, microorganisms? Right now, there's no plans for veterinarians. Right now, there's there's no plans for either the veterinarians to help states or the federal government look at that, except in the state of California, potentially. There, there's a law there that uh, they do have to have some reckoning of, of how antibiotics are used, but that's not a national thing, and it's only in California at this time, and the 
the law was passed, but the regulations haven't been put into effect yet. So how much veterinarians are actually going to be helping with the tracking of that is still an unknown. In other parts of the world, there is a fair amount of tracking done by veterinarians. That's not, um, I don't see that happening in the near term in the U.S. Um, it's still sort of to be decided how how this is going to be done. USDA, for example, has a lot of uh, plans that they would like to do to be able to do some of the tracking, but they have zero funds to do that. So if there's zero funds to do it, it's not going to happen. So that you know, just switching topics or, or building upon your response there is the the global, the global issue mm-hmm. of antimicrobial use as growth promoters in food production animals is a global threat. And as you're also aware, it's it's World Antibiotic Awareness Week. And the World Health Organization, the Food and Agricultural Organization of the of the United Nations and the World Animal Health Organization all recognize that animal and human health sectors have a shared responsibility in the print use of antimicrobials. I'd I'd like you to just highlight for us a little bit what are some of these global initiatives that are current be, currently being discussed and some of their their action items, their their plan. Well, first of all, last this past September, the UN had a general assembly session on antimicrobial resistance, and that's only the fourth time they've had a general assembly session on a, on a health issue. Um, so you know it's a it's a big deal. Um, and among those among the uh, topics that were discussed was the use of antibiotics in in food production globally. The as you said, the FAO, WHO, and OIE not only have recognized the issue, um, the FAO, the uh, Food Agricultural Organization of the UN, has an action plan for antimicrobial resistance um, for the next four years, five years, and they have put out a um, a series of, of reports on how to um, how to handle antibiotic resistance and how to handle antibiotic use and judicious use in animal production for basically every country in the world. Uh, WHO last year put out a, a report on antibiotic stewardship, including antibiotic stewardship guidelines for for food animals and for agriculture. Basically, it said, this is everybody's problem. Everybody has to take a part of that problem and work on their, their part of the problem, whether you're looking at the human use of antibiotics in in hospitals and outpatient settings, whether you're looking at them in agriculture, whether you're looking at them in a first world country, a developing country, or um, in a sort of a transition country. So the entire uh, global community has has looked at this, said, yes, this is a problem. Yes, agriculture has to take some responsibility, yes, uh, the use of antibiotics in agriculture is a part of the problem. Yes, agriculture and veterinarians need to uh, work on, on plans and strategies and actually implement them so that antibiotics will continue to work for us when we need them. So one of the uh, action items within the FAO, of course, they, they want to create awareness around the problem. Uh, and a second one is to develop the capacity for surveillance and moder- monitoring, monitoring of antimicrobial resistance and overall um, antibiotic consumption. 
Is there some plans to for putting that in place? Well, once again, with the FAO report, they have recommendations for um, for countries to uh, to do that, and um, knowing that some countries are in better better position to be able to do that than others. And for some countries, it isn't so much excess of antibiotics, but access of, of antibiotics that is still an issue. But they certainly have have looked at developing a, a mapping tools to access, to assess the capacities for for the different countries, um, making sure that there's you know, a lab capacity to to do these, and uh, they actually have designated some laboratories, uh, FAO reference laboratories for uh, antibiotic resistance and um, to, look at, to look at stewardship. Uh, they also have talked about making sure that we um, do track um, however, however the country can put their resources to tracking uh, antibiotic use, not just antibiotic sales, but really getting down to antibiotic use in uh, food animals and in agriculture and in aquaculture as well. I don't well, want to so forget my, the uh, right. It, well, so my final question here is to take you back full circle to your expertise as a veterinarian. And if the antibiotics are being removed from the growth promotion uh, side of things, what are some of the other strategies that will be taken to so to not disrupt the food chain? Well, I think the, the first thing to, to keep in mind is that when you look at the, the research that's been done, that the use of antibiotics for growth promotion is an old thing. It was first described and first started in the, the, the 1950s. really didn't take off until about the 1980s, especially in the, the Western world, the U.S. And, and Europe. But when you look at the – and there seem to be anywhere from – Eight to fifteen percent increase in in growth with antibiotics being used. But if you look at the more recent uh, science that's, and studies that have been done, that difference in growth promotion and that that edge that antibiotics were giving back in the the fifties and sixties and seventies no longer pertains. They're not farmers and ranchers are not seeing that difference now. Um, there's really no difference, and and some of it has to do with uh, the different breeds of animals we're using. We have better housing. We have better um, nutrition. We have a better idea of, of what animals need as far as uh, density. We've got um, more vaccines and, and other um, other husbandry uh, practices that we've put into place that will give the same results as we got from using antibiotics at these low levels of growth promotion back in the uh back in the twentieth century. So in the twenty first century we're looking at increased use of antibiotics, better biosecurity, better nutrition, um, differences in uh the animals that are, are being raised and the genetics of the animals. So all of those things combined and combined potentially with what are called probiotics and um prebiotics all are, are working together to make the animals continue to make the animals healthy and get them to grow um, as fast as we need them to to, to um, produce enough meat and poultry and fish for 
our growing population. So it seems just changing these practices is a it's definitely necessary to change the practices as the antibiotics and the growth promotion are really no longer necessary and causing more harm and threat to antibiotic resistance production than right. causing right. benefit. So well thank you, Doctor Hansen, so much for your time today to discuss all your efforts in leading these new approaches to optimize antimicrobial stewardship practices and policy within the agricultural and veterinarian sectors, and very importantly, for discussing this connection between animal and human health and potential strategies to reduce the spread of antibiotic resistance. We appreciate your time. Thank you. And I'd just like to remind everybody that uh, for antibiotic resistance stewardship to, to be successful, we all need to do our part. Thank you again. Thank you. Absolutely.